What a time, right? And um, how lucky we are to be here. I want to thank everyone in Lane County. It's, it was 30 years ago that um, I moved to Eugene, Oregon. And when I was coming up the road of uh, the I-5 then, um, I never realized where that road would bring me and the community that it would bring me in. And I have no doubts in that last 30 years um, that everything I've been able to accomplish with communities uh, around the country um, are because of the roots that grew here. And so when you're applauding tonight, you're applauding yourselves for all the seeds that you planted um, that have given so much back, not only to Lane County, um, but this country and, and this world. And you should really celebrate that. You should be proud. It's important to be humble, but it is also important to celebrate 50 years of hard work. I promised I would not come up here and uh, speak for an hour, and I'm, that is very true. That is not gonna happen. Um, those who've known me a long time know I grew up Southern Baptist, and it's uh, very easy to go on very long. But I just have a few things um, that I wanna say tonight. And I had a nice, uh, very energizing speech prepared on my uh, last week, I think about Monday, I finished the notes. And um, on Tuesday, the devil walked up and whispered in my ear, a storm is coming. We are in a serious time. The recent elections are like none we have faced ever. And in that moment, everything changes. And we have to realize that everything has changed. So before I talk about what's changed, I want people to just stop for a second. Stop what you're doing. And I want you to take a deep breath. And I want you to let it out. And I want you to take another deep breath. And let it out. Because what I want to share today is of the utmost importance. So important that I'm going to step out of my role as a Ford program officer. And I'm going to talk to you as Eric Ward, the kid who organized and learned his organizing with clergy and lady concerned and many of the community leaders here in the university and in the city. As I said, this is a time we have never experienced. And if you think you felt anguish on Tuesday night, none of us are prepared for the anguish that is about to come in January. And we have to be prepared. And we have approximately seven to nine weeks to be prepared. And this calls on us to stand up in very new ways, to take risks we have not taken before, to build alliances and trust in the relationships that have been built 
over 50 years. This is time for each of us to step up with our own expertise. Every person in here is an organizer. Every person in this room is a rescuer. Every person has the choice to collaborate against those who seek to strip away the human rights of the most vulnerable in our communities, or we can stand in opposition as a resistance. But to be a resistance means to take oneself seriously. And it doesn't mean we don't laugh, that we don't love, but it means that we draw a line, a moral barrier against hatred and bigotry. And we do not allow anyone to cross that line without a fight. That this is a time when we talk about total equality. Nothing more, nothing less. And there is no compromise. It is easy to sit back and to say, well, things may not be that bad. Perhaps he was just fooling. Perhaps they don't mean what they say. We'll have another election in four years. You have nothing to base those opinions on. You have not one fundamental fact that tells you that those are the case. Sometimes we need to believe what people tell us. And when they tell us that they are going to deport millions of people, that they are going to criminalize people because of their religions, that they are going to attack journalists and those politicians who stand in opposition, we need to take them at their word and we need to be prepared. And this is why organizations like the Community Alliance of Lane County are so essential right now. We need organizations, organizations that are not afraid to mobilize power. What will happen, and I'm gonna tell you what will happen. I'm one of the folks who said that Donald Trump would win this election. And now I'm going to tell you what happens after winning this election. In the first days, long before anyone is sworn in, you're gonna see a testing of the space, a testing to test the appetite and the willingness of the American public. And it will be tests around if we are willing to let go of rights, particularly around the most vulnerable in our society. And when we respond vigorously, what they will tell you is, oh no, you misquoted me. Oh, that's not what we meant. But it is a test. And at each test, we have to be prepared to unequivocally stand up and push back. This will be a war of attrition that will last at least two years as they test the will of the American public. Do not allow them to cross this line. It will not just be the most vulnerable who will come under attack. It will be those institutions that 
are essential to the protection of the most fundamental basic rights in our society. Journalists, who we have plenty of critiques of, right? Media, which we have plenty of critiques of. It will be places like housing and travel. And we have to be prepared to defend those institutions. It will call on us in ways that we have not done to hold contradictions. We have our own critiques of the injustices that happen in our society that are perpetuated by these institutions. We should not let go of those critiques, but neither should we be in any illusion that we have anything in common with those who would dehumanize the most vulnerable amongst us. And we have to defend these institutions. These institutions are the bulwark against the losing of very fundamental rights. We have to dispense with some of the myths that we hold. Arrogance. The idea that Trump somehow fooled rural white America. This is not a rural white America problem. This is a problem around racism in America. White supremacy and the rise of white nationalism. What we have to understand is it's not because of white voters, it's not because black voters didn't turn out, it's not because of women, that what we are dealing with right now in our society is the perfect storm of individuals who have lost hope in their government, who have been alienated who no longer have opportunities to live, love, and work, coupled with the most overt forms of bigotry. And it has created a hurricane, a hurricane of incompassion, a hurricane of hate, and a hurricane that is based off the idea that I must only save myself and be concerned about myself, a narrowing of community. Calc is important because it expands community at a time when it is very needed. And moving forward, I have some thoughts, but they are only thoughts. Because as I said before, this terrain is very new. None of us have been on a terrain of this scale. Not here in the United States. One, we should be in open dialogue with other social movements outside the US who have dealt with these moments. Organizers in El Salvador, currently in Brazil, Poland, Greece, the United Kingdom, all around the world, there are social movements that have survived these moments. And we need to understand how. Two, we need to immediately open space for our young people to organize, to have support, to be validated in their work. It is so critically important. We have to invest in these young people and do it now. Their leadership is so critical. I've seen it on the streets of New York City. 
I've seen it on the streets of Portland, Oregon. I've seen it in the streets of Denver, Colorado. The younger generation is outraged at what we have allowed to happen. And we have to give them the space to respond. Opening our homes, opening up our checkbooks, opening up spaces, defending them from attack. We have to trust in their leadership. This will be a long fight. Next, we cannot make caricatures of folks who voted for Donald Trump. We cannot. There will be a period of buyer's remorse. I promise you. When that period happens, are our institutions ready to offer an alternative, a space for those individuals? And if we are not prepared, we leave them prey to those to the right of Donald Trump who will organize them. We have to create spaces of opportunity. Currently, there are folks who didn't cast their votes in that direction. And on my social media, I have received at least 60 requests from individuals asking to be plugged into organizations and locales. I don't know, raise your hand if you've had folks contacting you. These are folks who have not been part of organizations. And we have to open up the space for these folks immediately. And that does not simply mean adding them to a mailing list or asking them for a check, though you should do that. <laughs> it means creating real spaces, the space that Calc gave me when I was, I don't know, I don't want to say because it might age me, but very young. <laughs> to sit at a table and seal envelopes and to be into conversation to be asked to come to a meeting, to join a demonstration, to make a sign, to join a task force. It is so essential that those spaces be open right now. Do we have the volunteer capacity for the folks who are willing to join and want to plug in? Are our organizational cultures ready for that? If not, you have about six to seven weeks to get ready. Next, in our individual lives, look at the networks that you already have. Maybe it's in the music community. Maybe it's a sewing circle. Maybe it's a bowling league. Maybe you're an educator. Maybe it's in the medical field, the religious community. It's time for you to call your friends together in those spaces and to figure out very realistically what is it that you can do in this moment that might make a difference? How do you self-organize within your most natural networks where you have the most expertise? What do you do when immigrants can no longer access health care? What do you do when Black Lives Matters activists are arrested in the hundreds and are unable to make bail. What happens 
when people who own property are told it's a crime to rent to certain people without documentation? How will you be prepared to respond? It is important to think of these things. Not because I think the most worst things will happen, but because simply we don't know. Prepare for the worst. At the end of the day, we have to ensure that our communities are vocal and visible in this period. I used to tell people back in the day, hate groups don't come to town bringing their racism, their homophobia, their sexism, anti-Semitism, I will add Islamophobia to our communities. They simply organize the bigotry that already exists. Our best defense, our vocal protest, vocal statements from public leaders, from artists, business leaders, saying that we are communities of inclusion and we will not allow anyone to be isolated in our communities because of their race, gender, sexual orientation, religion, national origins, disabilities, that it is simply not allowable. And we need to ensure that our leaders are saying that every day during this period. It cannot be said enough. If we don't, we will signal that we are vulnerable. And if we signal that we are vulnerable in this period, the worst could happen. I want to give hope. If this were to happen, I am so thankful it didn't happen 10 years ago. I am so thankful it didn't happen 20 years ago. I am thankful that it didn't happen five years ago. If this fight is to come, it has come at the right time. It has come at a time where we have birthed some of the most powerful social movements that we have seen since the 70s. Black women, immigrant youth, people who are working for less than minimum wage or working three minimum wage jobs to take care of their families, folks concerned about climate, transgendered um, activists who are unapologetic. Across this country, movements have joined up and joined together to stand against bigotry and hatred. Whether it's not one more, whether it's 18 million rising, whether it's Black Lives Matters, whether it's, um, excuse me, water is life, whether they are saying model minority mutiny, what they are saying is room to breathe. And they are unapologetic with this demand that all of us has the right to live, love, and work free from fear. So, so my time is up here. 
And I want to finish on this note. Take care of your institution. An institution that took 50 years to build deserves your support and love right now. It is so needed. And as I think about this institution, I think about that Tuesday where the devil came up to me and whispered in my ear that a storm is coming. On that night, I grabbed the devil back and I told him, we are the storm and we are here.